This podcast contains explicit language. Hey, this is Mike from 424recording.com, and I just want to say if you're a fan of the podcast or channel, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash 424recording. For as little as a buck a month, you'll get exclusive rewards and help keep this podcast mattress ad free. Support us at patreon.com slash 424recording. Hello and welcome to 424 Recording, a podcast featuring interviews with musicians, artists, YouTubers, and other creatives about the creative process. We're also talking all things music, especially in the punk, grunge, bedroom, and indie rock genres. This is Mike from 424recording.com, and on this week's episode, I have a chat with artist and poet Dan Tarnowski. Dan and I grew up together, and in the late aughts, collaborated on On Lives, a blog dedicated to creating artwork on a daily basis. We reminisce about that project and get a little nostalgic about early 2000s indie rock culture. Here's my conversation with Dan Tarnowski. What have you been up to lately in terms of your art, man? I, I know that you've been doing a lot of poetry uh, the floating text I, stuff. Um, yeah. but I know for a long time you were, you were doing, uh, like visual painting and you have a degree in painting, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, technically it's computer art. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, but I went to school and studied kind of, uh, digital illustration, traditional illustration, painting, that kind of thing. And you were designing games at one point, right? Or doing the artwork for games. I was, yeah. I was working for a startup that made Flash games for a brief period. And what, like, how did you get into doing that? And, and what did you find that that was like a good way to um, develop your skills? Uh, actually, that kind of uh, environment kind of made me want to do more classical kind of art. Like, uh, you know, like paintings that you could hang on your wall. And I was really into like, going to museums and galleries, uh, that kind of led it into kind of the illustrations I was doing with my collaboration with you for on lives. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So like I was trying out a career as a, as a commercial artist and it was like not my thing. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I learned like a, some, some like useful stuff about kind of the technical aspects of, of drawing, like, um, kind of making stuff look 3D and, and uh, kind of like some painting techniques. But uh, it wasn't really my thing. I kind of just wanted to draw how I wanted. And mm-hmm. that kind of was like a some form of catalyst for kind of like wanting to do things more freeform. Yeah, like what was it like having to have, because I'm, I'm assuming you had pretty strict deadlines and also ideas of what, your your management or whatever required of you know because you sort of had to create within within like a um structure right exactly yeah there's always a style guide um if they were doing games for like a some kind of like known franchise like uh you know for like commercial clients that where people know the kind of characters if it's for a cartoon show or something yeah that stuff is all kind of uh like um, has a very set aesthetic and color palette. And uh, sometimes you didn't even really like illustrate yourself. You would kind of like get a character and just piece it together. Uh, yeah. But there was other stuff where they kind of like were like, let, let's the artists were like, let's kind of 
figure out how this is going to look and kind of invent our own style guides. Uh, yeah, but it was kind of like very, it was like a very specific, uh, like way of making things. Yeah. That, Cause that, that kind of leads into what I wanted to ask you about this whole process. And when you were working there, uh, it was like, you know, the navigating the line, I feel like as a creative person or as like an artist with making money. So then it's, and then when those two things mix, cause some people, do have creative careers and they're able to use their creative skills to make money. And then other people have to make money and then can do their creative skills on the side, or they prefer to do the creative stuff on the side. So, I mean, like how did that come into play with this, this whole setup? Well, I just decided that like a nine to five job as some kind of commercial artist just wasn't my thing. Uh, I wanted like a more relaxed lifestyle, like, um, my rent was kind of high living in Brooklyn at the time, but I felt like a gig like that where you're working kind of like nine hours a day was like maybe a little more money than I needed just to kind of like do what I wanted. To answer your question, like I just got out of that. I got out of like trying to be a, a commercial artist like as a career. Right. And was that any, so it sounds like that was kind of the, um, like a catalyst for, for making you to, for causing you to move on then, no? There was kind of a lot of stuff going on in my life at the time. Like, I actually took that gig so I could uh, so I could move to Brooklyn, and I wanted to go to grad school after that. So, like, okay, I wasn't thinking that I would go into that as a field. It was more of a stepping stone. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you know, this is like a nine to five job that'll pay the bills, and then like I was gonna try to uh, paint after work, and like I had this like routine of like riding my bike home after work and. Uh, trying to save the most money that I possibly could. So I was eating like uh, pasta every night and like trying to oil paint in my room. Yeah. And uh, it was, it was actually like, it was pretty cool because I had just moved to Brooklyn and like everything seemed like, like uh, a little surreal. And it was kind of inspiring to me, like just being on the subway. And like, I remember one time I uh, forgot to get off at my stop. So I took the R train all the way out to Coney Island and, uh, I just like, it was like nighttime and I was just walking around and sketching and, um, living the it, dream. Like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, but I didn't even know it. I was just like a little bit lost, but it was pretty inspiring. Man, that's awesome. I, well, like, I guess I was just curious cause like something that seems to come up a lot and you know, like, cause you know, Sean, uh, he was like the director guy, then he does films and yeah, yeah. I checked out your podcast with Sean. Oh, cool. Thanks, dude. And it, so it was like, you know, he kind of is this really creative person, but winds up using that creative skill to, you know, put money in his bank account. And he seems to be a little torn with that because it's a lot of commercial work and it's not always the most creative and he tries to make it creative. So I don't know. I guess I was just yeah. curious about how. Okay. No, that's an interesting topic. I, I wasn't thinking that you're going to ask me about the financial side of things. But if there was like a spectrum of that, where Sean is more like towards, I guess, making money with his stuff, I'm like all the way on the other side of the spectrum where like, ideally I just like can do my art, uh, like as I want it. So, yeah. You just, you just want to be able to, to, like you said, come home, uh, make your, do painting, do the paintings. Cause you had a studio too at one point, right? Where you were. You, yeah, yeah, I did. So like that's kind of, I don't. I guess that's so. Like you wouldn't mind working at say like I don't know, a grocery store and just coming home every night and painting. 
No, I wouldn't. Uh, sometimes I wish I had been a little more uh, clear-minded about doing something like that. Like, uh, I know people who are like booksellers and like they do their art and uh, that seems to have like worked out for them. Like, uh, I think there's a lot to be said for that kind of thing. And I, I mean, like, so like now I do like a, some kind of like light, light web stuff for, a, for an organization and I'm kind of doing that now, like the uh, system that you just described. Right. Yeah. Like you have it kind of separated now from right, right. your artistic life and your working life. I, I guess I just, I'm just curious about that because it's something I'm trying to navigate myself too. And I've never really been able to uh, monetize anything I did creatively. And uh, I don't know. I, like, I don't know if it's just that I'm really bad at making money or I'm just not a business person and I've always kind of foregone like more traditional ideas about career and, and life structure to pursue art. And like, I, I sometimes question whether that has been helpful to me, hurtful to me, whether I've looked at it under the wrong lens. Um, I don't know. Then that, I guess that's why I, mean, I was kind of like so, asking you about. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this kind of thing is, has been an on or it's becoming an ongoing exploration on your podcast. Uh, oh, cool. It's like you and Tim were talking about that kind of thing in your most recent one. Yeah. Yep. And I thought you said some interesting things about how monetizing it is like not what he's into. He likes the kind of meditative a aspect of painting. Right. Yeah. So, like, uh, he's a great example too, because like I said, Tim, he's such a creative person but he doesn't really look at that side of himself as being anything more than the meditation, the meditative act of doing it, right? Like you said. Yeah. Well, like, like, like I was he saying, he has before, no aspirations like... for for doing anything more with it than just un unplugging from reality and losing himself in in creating. I think I've been going more and more in that direction myself, like not thinking of myself as some, as like a practicing artist. Um, cause like, as you mentioned, I had that studio and I was painting and trying to go to grad school. And now I kind of like do a little bit of everything. Like I have been experimenting with poetry and making chat books. And there's like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not really expecting any money for that, but I think as a form of expression, it, it's like a really healthy thing for me to do. And it's a cool way to relate with other people. Like, convey things through through words and inspire other people it's almost like a form of communication that can be like creative yeah yeah i was going to ask you about your experience with writing chapbooks and poetry because we collaborated on a few of those uh i don't know what almost 10 years ago now which yeah seems crazy to say uh yeah so, so for anyone listening dan and i go way back uh we grew up together uh went to high school and and pretty much every secondary school i'd say too well i don't know does secondary school mean like grade school uh or is that I like know what secondary school is okay well we went to like grade school middle, together middle school yeah. probably since like fifth grade sixth grade i think i've known you off and on and and you've always been like a character in the periphery of my life <laughs> yeah all right that's cool okay so it's like so dan and i i don't know if we were ever too as tight but we, we knew each other and then after i guess college um Actually, uh, I don't know if uh, this was a very significant thing to you, but I 
played in your band for like one summer. I, oh, I drummed in it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, I completely, uh, I completely that that whole era of my life is is like I don't know. Like I, it's like there in my mind, but it like I never access it for some reason. It's it's that it's, was kind of a uh, precursor to doing on lives a little bit because. I remember hanging out with you that summer when I helped you record a, a record. Yeah, that's that was right. an early incarnation of of Be Cool Cowboy. Like that's right. Uh, I don't know if this is like an officially endorsed era of Be Cool Cowboy, but <laughs> whenever I see like you that band doing stuff, I'm kind of like secretly to myself like I was in that band once. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that was kind of uh, the first incarnation of it, uh, and I just kind of revived it, you know, again later because. I don't know, Sean was always like really into the name and uh, he had always wanted to kind of steal it for his own band. And that's kind of why I was like, no way, man. Like, I'm going to make sure that this is something so that he can't take it, <laughs> take the name. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so, but yeah, that's funny. Yeah. So we did that record together. You were, you were doing the drums and uh, that's right. right. So, that was, that so was, so that so was like right before I moved to Brooklyn. And uh, then I had that whole baptism by fire i guess like working for that game place and then yeah you like landed in astoria one day and you were starting this blog and yeah uh on um, lives yeah right right exactly so and i because i i uh because i went to school for creative writing like there was a point in time where i honestly thought i was going to be a writer or pursue writing um i guess i still do you know i feel like everything with the channel and and there's a lot of script writing and things that go into that and you know, uh, I feel like it's a skill that I always learn or always use with everything, especially like songwriting and stuff. Although now it sounds like I'm just trying to justify my degree in creative writing. But um, I was on the like Bingham, the SUNY Binghamton like uh, writers uh, like conservatory website or whatever, like, oh. whatever they call the program. And like, yeah, like uh, they're kind of billing it as like a program that some like some notable writers have been to like these days. Oh wow! I, ha- I haven't I haven't looked at anything regarding that in a long time. Yeah, there was like one or two writers who are kind of like who kind of publish fiction. Who I like I've kind of heard of here and there. Oh, weird! I'll have so, to check that yeah, out. Yeah, thought of you. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, like, um, I don't know if you've reread any of your on lives pieces, but I I think they're still pretty good. Well, thanks, man. I I really. Um... That's such a, I don't know, like I, for some reason I've just compartmentalized that era of my life and, and kind of put it under the bed or something. Uh, yeah. I don't know why I, I, I have the, I don't know, man. I, I always like really appreciated the work that we did together back then too, because um, I felt like for the first time I had like a real partner in crime, you know, cause I, I always was like searching for people that could or wanted to work on something on like a daily basis and that was like a big part of on lives was well you know i know all these people that are creative people but but what are we doing with all these creative uh, impulses so for me i wanted to just get better at the practice of it and the blog format was perfect and i remember reaching out to you because like the initial ones i was just using pictures i had taken or i don't know pictures i found online that were copyright free or something or i think i even used like a back to the future one so maybe that's not true but i reached out to you and said hey i'm doing this thing it's a daily uh, artistic blog thing. It's like on lives or like short paragraphs about certain things about life. And uh, do you want to do the art? Can you do you want to do the art for them? And uh, and I don't re- I don't remember your exact answer, but all I knew it was like the next day I had, and every day subsequent for that for like a few months. We I, don't, I think a couple months or 
we did it for a while and uh yeah you were you were uh we were doing we were doing it yeah uh i can see why you see that as like a compartmentalized period uh but like i feel like it was kind of like a had some staying power like if you were to explore some of that stuff more now yeah what, what do you um, what do you how, how do you how could you picture that um that unfolding if if, if it was like revisited oh. We might need to discuss that more. Like, I'd like to keep the conversation moving along because you had some. <laughs> okay. You had a uh, direction there. Sure. Or we tell me tell me what it was because I I feel like I feel like you're almost interviewing me now. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's see. So, when doing um, on lives, like, what was, what was that like for you doing daily art making in that period of your life? Was that something that you wanted to do? Did you feel like I kind of twisted your arm into doing it? <laughs> no. It was kind of like... Because uh, I feel like was, you got kind of burnt out at one point, or you kind well, of... I don't know if you like have a um, like clear uh, remembrance of the timeline, but we were actually kind of doing like the daily drawings for like a while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was like a whole thing. Like I think there's like over fifty of the drawings or something. I remember. I remember it, get, it was getting to a point where you were like emailing me, like, like Mike, what do you think of this one? I was like, this is amazing. He's like, you're like, this took me so long to do. I was like, well, yeah, try to do them like simple. You know, we got to do them every day. Like, oh yeah, you were going so, like super intricate on them for a long. I was like, I don't know how. Like, it almost started becoming. I almost. I don't know. It was. It was in, like. That that level of output was, I don't know. It was it was. I think it was starting to grade on you. That that was kind of my impression. Yeah. So like, um, to give the readers some more context on on the on lives prog- uh, pro- project yeah, we're like discussing, we didn't give a good a good yeah, background so, on this. So like, well, we said it was like a a blog that Mike started to show off these essays he was writing, and I came in and I started illustrating each essay, right, and that was. The uh, the challenge was, can we do it every day and kind of have a compelling illustration and essay? Yeah. And we were really emphatic about trying to get followers. Yeah, we had like a, a release to, party and and we, we we went really all out. I mean, it was it seemed like a pretty successful venture for a while there. Yeah, like we we wanted it to be kind of like a a newspaper like daily thing you read daily like. Yeah. With kind of a literary bend, like a McSweeney's kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. So I remember like we were trying to get people we knew to just be engaged with it and be excited to check it every day and to bring in new people. So we like had business cards and we were spamming people and we were on Twitter. Yeah. And then we had, I feel like this was a little bit before like social media was really the machine that it is today. Oh, Definitely. Because I feel like the at the time we were doing it, if we had the resources that people have now, it would have been, it would have taken a completely different path. What that path is, I, I'm not really sure, but uh, I feel like that was kind of, you know, because I think we had it on WordPress and it sort of had its own community and, and way of, you know, putting it out to people. But I feel like today it's it's a whole different game with, you know, like like Instagram. So like I wasn't on Instagram until recently and i was on twitter and i used that to kind of post quips and wordplay uh like right 
Yeah, Twitter. I remember Twitter being the big one where we were really trying to find people, find followers, and then I got I got kind of freaked out from social media. Um, I don't really know. I don't really remember why. I just remember feeling like maybe I've gone. I'm putting myself out there too much. Yeah. Because so it, like because it because it, it started out more as like um just like as a way to do our thing for me you know every day and 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 get the get the get the practicing get the what do they say ten thousand hours in get the get the you know you so want like social networking is kind of a way of releasing stuff but not so much the kind of personal aspect of like I remember you had uh, one of your tweets was like why is it cool to to say like why is it cool to tweet uh i forgot what color shirt i'm wearing and then i looked down and it was green yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh which i still think is a pretty funny uh tweet whatever whatever you want to call it yeah but that, that's what i mean like why was it cool to tweet stuff like that like the the, the tweet would be like for, like very truncated like forgot what color shirt i was wearing looked down to see it was green it's like, why is that? I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like there's kind of different voices that, I mean, I kind of like Twitter as a place to experiment with maybe different voices and different forms of humor. Yeah, like, uh, that's that what I liked about it too. That one you're describing is maybe kind of a slightly narcissistic kind of, yeah. um, it's amusing to report in my kind of mind state like right now. Yeah, yeah, it's like uh, it's almost, yeah, it's like look it's like, how what can I, yeah, what can I do with this and which like small details are funny? Yeah, I mean, I still kind of enjoy that kind of humor. I do too. I I, I honestly thought that that was to me like when I was run, like browsing Twitter and finding people who tweeted those the people that tweeted things like that were the the ones that I looked up to because I I thought it was it was because especially from like a writing standpoint or somebody who's like a writer or a creative like I don't know because I feel like it showed your personality and showed a certain level of cleverness and then uh, there's also somewhat of a story in that tweet you know yeah I feel like like that kind of became the norm actually is these kind of like personal but creative ruminations for like writers and creative people like to have a kind of Twitter presence. But now I was, I started saying before, I, I feel like that's kind of, uh, kind of being phased out a little bit. Like, uh, I kind of noticed this when our, our friend, uh, Greg Farrell, who's like a comic book artist. Yeah. yeah I'm going like, to get him. I got to get him on the pod too. Off. Yeah. He just pieced off Twitter. He's like, this is not where it's at anymore. Yeah. Like follow me on Instagram. Yeah. And I, I kind of feel like there's not so much of a buzz around Twitter anymore. Like it just doesn't feel charged like it like I it did for a little while, like maybe one or two years ago. Right. I feel like I feel like the the it used to be because I remember on lives too existed on Facebook, and it felt like the the course of events was like Facebook, Twitter, and then Instagram, and then Snapchat, and then it's kind of gone back to Instagram. I don't know. I'm not like a social yeah, media yeah. guru, but. In terms, so like, of, in terms of like the big one that everybody, people are on, or that makes sense for people's lives, you questioned like whether that was, if if like, on lives was still kind of echoing in any way, and I, I kind of like noticed that, Instagramming drawings and stuff daily reminded me of that same thing. 
oh, reminded cool. me of posting stuff up and getting feedback. So, so like, I feel like it's still back there, that kind of like impulse to want to show something like right after you made it when it's fresh and then see like which things people are into. I feel like Instagram, because the premise behind On Lives is daily art and writing and Instagram is kind of like that in, in a miniature. It's definitely daily art, you know, it's just all yeah. now it's all in a square shape. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it's it it's become see, like I think if I don't know, for instance, like I think if on lives was something today, it would be some kind of visual, obviously either a picture or a um or like a series of pictures and then like a voiceover. Cause I don't know if you could do I don't know if it would you know, if to 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 write like a well, I guess it would depend on the format, you know, but it seems cause um this came up a little bit with Sean too. I don't know if you remember he was talking about releasing his music on some kind of weekly daily cause he had all these songs and then he's thinking, Oh, I yeah. can make like 30 second um, music videos with these songs because people just flipping through to Instagram. Boom. Same with on, like I'm picturing on lives or some, you know, something of that nature. Like, I don't know if it would be, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, to, to me, Instagram is definitely like a more of a visual. I think that's, that's why I like the, the painting aspect and, and the images aspect works. Cause it's a, it's a much more visual format than say like Twitter I don't know. Twitter was more, uh, I guess, words. So, so you enjoy then just putting stuff out on the on social networking or or um, social media. Like, what? How do you how do you feel about it overall in terms of the the intersection of social media and art? I like the casual aspect of social media. I don't feel like there's any pressure on Instagram to to post up stuff that's really finished. I've been kind of drawing these little comics and just posting it up like three minutes later and uh i find it pretty fun yeah like, that's that's really cool it's like uh kind of just drawing something in class to amuse your friends and kind of passing it around and snickering yeah 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 totally there's there's something to be said for that kind of uh ability to amuse yourself with your own kind of offhand creativity i mean it's so simple you know like how many ways can you really like create satisfaction for yourself? Like you, you could, uh, if, if you weren't experimenting with this, you could like go to a uh, men's warehouse and like buy a $500 suit, like to feel fulfilled. Yeah. Or you could, you could draw something in like 30 seconds and be like chuckling to yourself. And, and like, I think I kind of lost that lost wanting to just fuck around with stuff and, me too. Actually, kind of like our friend Greg's graphic novels kind of reminded me that I think like scatological humor is pretty funny. And <laughs> I was just like reading his uh, his his book about the strand and just like cracking up. What What is scatological humor? Uh, you know, like potty humor. Oh, OK. Yeah, I mean, Greg, Greg's uh, stuff is great, man. I, I've always been a really big fan of everything Greg did. I mean, I remember him like his Chef Don stuff, that was like the first stuff I think he did when he was like a kid. And I mean, Greg's just always been su such a super creative dude, you know, and I've always been like really into everything he's ever done because I think he's a great artist, you know. And I got to get him, I got to get him on here. We've been chatting. I told him I'm <laughs> going to get him on here at some point. Um, yeah, absolutely. But uh, what I was going to ask you was, I thought it was interesting that you said you think you, you've kind of lost that ability to because i was going to ask you this how you refound it because I, it sounds like you kind of found 
like you're saying, like just making something just to just to be sat- satisfied and chuckle right. at it. You know, like yeah, yeah. I, so I like, feel uh, like I can't do that anymore. It's it's really that's it. the thing. us always being on apps and kind of looking down at your phone and and uh, how it kind of creates this anxious mental state, kind of like this like haze of checking all your tabs. Yeah. And uh, yeah, sometimes you start checking shit and you're not even like. There's there's times when I have to like actually get something done and I'll just automatically go to check my email or something and I'm like, I'm like I just literally closed it down. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah, it's well, I mean, like it kind of ties in with like being an adult and you know, like we go to therapy, we ruminate about our problems and uh, like it almost seems like a lot of the solutions to those problems are also really big like macro solutions that you implement like a career buying a house car etc just taking some time to like laugh is a is a kind of like a really simple antidote that is so simple you wouldn't even think of it you know yeah yeah just started like sketching dumb stuff like weird characters i don't know why i started this i think it was because i just don't have time to like be drawing with you know, like professional materials and trying to make some like nice watercolor landscapes or whatever. So with, with any kind of like pressure and mind for craftsmanship off, like I just realized it's fun to just draw kind of like deranged people and try to get like, <laughs> try to get my friend to laugh at it or something. Yeah. And, uh, well, cause I feel like that at the end of the day, it's like, uh, it's like that's all that's all you that's all we need to do you know but yeah i mean like when we were stuck in middle school it's like all you wanted to do was just like fuck around Maybe. just like draw draw silly stuff with your friends like i feel like that's what you were waiting to do like when the summer rolled around that was kind of like the pinnacle right or that was kind of the that was like the the, the big end goal was just to have fun yeah 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 it's like you would just default to that it's like Oh, I don't have any obligations right now. I'm just gonna do like this thing that I do automatically. Like it's a no-brainer. Now I need to remind myself to do that. Why do you think that is? I think because, like I was saying before, we're used to the idea that solutions to our kind of like existential dilemmas have to be really complex. Right. We have to read a bunch of philosophy. We have to know about psychology and gotta like take the right medications and have the have the huge long-term end goal yeah like you're saying with the house the car and all all that jazz yeah i mean it could be anything like that's so uh, interesting because i feel like life i just kind of had like a a realization on this topic like i feel like as you get older life kind of it takes you from that mindset that we're, that we were talking about when, whether this is responsibility, I don't know. I think it's more of just status quo or, um, yeah, I think it's just, it kind of, it tries to pull you out of that, that mentality and, and push you into this other track of, or making you feel like this is where you're supposed to do. This is what you're supposed to want. This is what you should be doing. And, uh, because I feel like that's that's like a very real feeling that I feel like I'm constantly battling or like up up against the wall from or fighting back or. Where do you think these uh, things that you're supposed to want are coming from? Are they your own like things or like where? No, I, I guess I guess I'm talking like if like you're talking about like the literary um, conflicts, it's like man versus society 
where, yeah. you know, society is kind of, you, I don't know, or the people around you or because they're right. Because it's like you're saying, like there's these huge macro goals as a human in, living in the society that we live in. It's like, you got to get a good job. You got to like go to school to get the job, to get the, the car, to get the partner, to get the, you know, uh, house to get to buy the beach house. And it's like, you're looked at almost as like a fuck up if you, if you don't follow in that traditional idea of a after b after c after d whatever um you're seen as I like think a that's f- a, i think that's a mindset that can be inhibiting to us i'm also even saying like even in any given kind of creative field you don't always need to take it so seriously like if if one was a, a novelist and they are trying to write three hours a day is it really bad if they take a break to like draw some dumb stuff and like tweet it to their friends or do some other like thing that amuses them like with their friends like be it memes or like i don't know no i don't see how that could that could ever be a negative thing i'm realizing that i like to kind of stay in touch with that somehow yeah i guess i guess that's yeah i mean i think i'm coming at that from another angle too you know because I feel like that is kind of, I don't want to say beaten out of you as you get older, but uh, I don't know. I feel like it is in a way, you know? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Everything like, has to be such high stakes. Like, why can't it just be what you're saying? Like, sharing a moment of just fucking around with somebody and having fun. Even if it's like a, like you said, a drawing of like a deranged person or, you know? Yeah. Or just some... I, I tweeted this uh, this image of a... A uh, person who has, they're sitting in a chair and they have mismatched legs. One of their uh, legs is a pantaloon and the other is a regular jean. And uh, there's a speech bubble and they're saying, one of my legs is a pantaloon and the other is a regular jean. <laughs> and like, it's just so absurd that I like, I Instagrammed this and I've been showing it to people. Like, I find it really amusing. Yeah. Well, I also liked your um, your micro comedy too. I saw that the one you did. I think it was today. It was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think many people saw it right after I tweeted it because I did that on the way to work. But I kind of have this ongoing thing with a couple of people I know who, where I will. So like punning is kind of a, a thing. Like there's a punderdome. Have you heard of this? No. There's this event called Punderdome in Brooklyn where it's like a kind of like a mock game show where people come up and they. Uh, I've never been actually, but they. I guess they show off their punning prowess and like the audience votes on them. So like, I guess like, I feel like puns are kind of a cultural trend. Like right now people enjoy puns and I've been kind of milking this (laughs) for the most amount of attention that I can get by creating really forced puns. Right. So people have been, calling me out on how cheesy and bad some of these puns are and i've just like the nature of puns though uh i mean (laughs) you would think but people have certain criteria they don't like stuff that seems forced uh you know like (laughs) i like genuinely uh lol at the untenable one like that was brilliant man yeah that's some of my better uh output so I, I thought maybe like posting videos of those puns could be a, something to explore. Yeah, I think that's awesome. 
And I like that it's a very uh, contained uh, moment, you know? It seems very off the cuff and real. Oh, yeah. And I like uh, that. You, can, you can experience it in a few seconds. And like, I've kind of, that's kind of been in the back of my mind all day since you were started emailing me today about potentially, uh, you know, chatting. And um, yeah, like, I don't know. In, in a way, you know, as cliche as it sounds, that, that made my day. Oh, glad to hear it. So, mission success. Good. Yeah, I hope to do more. I go to comedy events here and there, and it seems like an interesting medium. Because, like, there's always writing behind it, and what the comedian is doing is kind of inherently veiled from you. So, you're either left to just believe the what they believe the persona they're showing or to kind of like speculate as to like why they made it that way. Right. Yeah. I've, I've often thought about exploring that more. Uh, I feel like that's something I try to do a little bit on the, on the YouTube channel, you know? Um, and that's something I want to go even further in that direction. Cause I realize like sometimes the ones that are the more absurd ones that are, and they're also like written out, uh, oh, yeah. are usually some of the best, or at least the stuff that, that really, moves the needle for me personally. Like when I make something like that, even if no one sees it, it's kind of like, damn, like that's, I need to do that. That's what, that's what gives me that, that fulfilled feeling. So you like the, uh, doing some comedic writing for your tutorials and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like, I, I was talking with, uh, this guy, Steven, he's from another channel, Noir at Blanc V. That's the podcast that's going to People have probably listened to those by the time they listen to this one. And uh, we were talking about, have you ever seen like Angry Video Game Nerd? It's like a character. Yeah. It's like, that is, was like a huge inspiration on both of us we we're, were talking about. And uh, that's kind of the, the direction I, I would like to go more in where it's, um, and that's what Steven was saying too. He's like making it more, he thinks about doing some of his... Um, episodes and things or like series more as like a character than it being himself so i don't know that's something I'd, i definitely want to explore more i could get behind that i've been like fascinated by your i've watched more of your kind of podcasts i haven't gotten into any of the heady lo-fi recording stuff uh it's not me if this verges too much on me interviewing you but uh <laughs> okay uh, I'm a little intrigued because, like, I, I always liked some of that, like, lo-fi music from the 90s. Mm-hmm. Is there, like, a, kind of a fertile scene of that? Like, what's that like? Is that a thing in New Paul's, or is that something you're kind of, like, pushing to get going online? Um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I think there's there's been the people, like, over the years that have done that kind of music and I think see a lot of success with it. I don't know if there's much of a scene for that here. I mean, in New Paltz, like I don't, I don't really go outside much or interact with a lot of people in my area, uh, and that's like a big reason why I do YouTube is because um, I just I just find that there's not a lot of people in my immediate vicinity that are into the things that I'm into, and maybe that's just. And I think I've also kind of aged out of the scene, uh, as Jay always says. He says I kind of give off a dad vibe. So, what? so it's, uh, it's, you know, there's a little bit of ageism, I guess. And then also, um, I don't know, man, like, so what, okay. So what's your, um, 
what's your experience been with like indie music and and stuff like that alternative stuff yeah uh like kind of in the early aughts the stuff that was happening with indie music i found really exciting yeah me too and i find myself returning to that era as a source of inspiration referencing like instagram again like i also instagrammed this uh picture that i think you saw it has like a a line drawing of a wig and like a set of kind of like nerdy glasses and a tote bag yeah and it has this like kind of caption that's a little sad and like this like i feel like this kind of line drawing is like stereotypically like indie rock like a lot of record covers or like that and like shirt designs and like especially like in the in the early aughts and like the reason why i like returning to that kind of imagery now is like i liked it so much that i just thought stuff would always be like that you know what i mean yeah yeah on one hand it's like it's just an aesthetic and like kind of indie rock aesthetics have changed. Like they just change, you know, over the years, but I seem to like exploring that kind of imagery. Like, like, like white tote bags anyway, like probably cause you can get them cheap in bulk and like, they look pretty cool. Like they're kind of minimalist and you know, like you can wear them with like their store clothes and sell them at a merch table. Yeah. And they can, you can fit your records in there, but they're almost kind of like a cultural touchstone where like you see people with tote bags like especially like if there's a band or like an organization that you like on the tote bag and then it's like something that you use to kind of relate to people seem to have like a personal connection to it because i always liked that kind of like indie culture and going to shows and even like zines and chat books yeah Um, i feel i feel like that era kind of harkens back to an era where there was more interaction amongst people I don't know. I could be just spitballing here, but because I feel like that was also, there was still a period of time where the internet wasn't what it is today. And uh, I don't know. That could have to do with why there was kind of like a unified aesthetic. Like, I feel like there was a more, I want to say unified subculture. I don't know if that's even, if that's even true, but um, I don't know. There's something about that, like, because that's, um, I feel like that's right. I feel like, you know, we grew up right in that time period where it's like pre, pre, pre-internet, pre post-internet, and right around that period was when the internet was in its like more infancy and it was still, it wasn't used to quite the same degree it is today. Yeah, so like, I was just curious like how the kind of four-track instrument, I guess, plays into that, like. Oh, well, there, you know, there's the whole cassette resurgence thing like people listening to cassette tapes and uh because it's a cheap format versus uh making records and for some reason people don't aren't really into cds right now um but you know that's probably gonna change at some point but um i mean i I just like it because it, it has a certain sound you know it's almost like an instrument in itself and i feel like anything that you listen to that's on a four track it's kind of similar to what you're saying like i just i just like the vibe of that aesthetic um, I just like the sound of that. And for me, there's like a nostalgic thing about it. Cause like, you know, being in early bands that I was in and, and recording on it. And then I don't know, I just, I just like it because I, I don't feel like I'm, I don't feel like I'm like a professional musician or, you know, traditional type of professional musician or anything like that. And, uh, that's kind of like the, kind of seems like the pinnacle or the peak of like what you could do as like a bedroom musician is just making some blown out shit on your four track. And like you said, passing it around to your group of friends and 
and them kind of snickering at it and, and, and enjoying it. And, and that's kind of the, the end of the, um, the end of the run, you know, and maybe you go play some shows and sell a couple to people. And, you know, that's kind of the, that's the point of, of it is that, you know, kind of what you're saying about just making these drawings and, um, as just, as just like a fun experience. Like that's kind of, it's funny cause that's kind of what I've been doing now with some of the tracks I've been doing is just doing them really quickly, like 30 minutes writing them and then like another 30 minutes recording them. And I've been doing those like once a week for now a while. And, uh, there's something really, really cool about that. And it kinda, I feel like that kind of relates back to what you're saying about the drawings and, 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 uh, I don't know. I didn't, it's funny cause I, I felt like I really wanted to get back to that. And now I'm thinking like, Oh, maybe, uh, maybe I'm kind of doing that. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, I guess there's a lot of facets to it, but, but yeah, like I was curious, kind of your, like why you're drawn to, to four track, four track recording. Like for me, like, I feel like I kind of like saw, I was always like a big music geek and could kind of like play a little bit of drums and, and guitar, but like people in bands kind of, and sometimes still do kind of seem like these like gurus who know how to do all this, like technical stuff like even like for for tracking like that stuff sounds awesome especially like older bands back in the day like i remember watching a uh like a rockumentary on def leopard and <laughs> like the guy was saying that like the five of them or however many there are like rented a house when they were re- like writing their record and they all had their own four track recorder and they were all writing songs for the record whoa that's cool like yeah that, that stuff just like that kind of like uh facility with the technology and the just like writing notes and and songs like that always is like like it boggles my mind and i find it cool yeah me too like i love hearing stories like that so so where are you at with like criticism and uh, and your art i've always been a little self-conscious and it can be hard to like put stuff out there because you feel like a it's personal and like if someone criticizes something it's almost like they're attacking you especially if you put a lot of like yourself into it despite that i had a pretty prolific period of like doing on lives and then i i wrote this chapbook blink and the world goes blank and and i seem to have somehow like kind of still gotten around my anxieties about showing people stuff during that prolific period but then i feel like a, I, I was really like critical of myself for a long time and it was almost like I noticed like that's another thing that I've been noticing about sketching is like I almost have two modes like I could be engaging with kind of the badness of things and my defensiveness and this kind of like outer layer that I need to get through the world or I could be engaging with this kind of like like whooshing kind of like windy more free form that feels a little more like uh like a little more kind of weird for me now, but I could tap into a lot easier when I was younger. The criticism is kind of like under the former category, the like kind of analyzing stuff and kind of like wanting, needing to know that things are safe before you dive in, wanting to like know exactly what you're going to make. But then it's like, then that kind of becomes like this heavy feeling. So, so yeah, Criticism is definitely self-criticism or just worrying about other people's criticism. I think that's like a, it's become like kind of, for a while it was pretty intrusive and I think it's something you need to work at kind of like skirting. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I, I feel like I could totally relate to that. I mean, I really, um, that was kind of the thing like we were saying about social media and why I kind of like for a long time uh, just just shut it all down because I didn't, I didn't like the idea of putting myself out there and then people being able to be really critical of that or, or be able to get in contact with me and, and be, you know, however they were going to be. Um, and it's now it's like, um, my experience is like with kind of sharing stuff with other writers or poets is like most people are not judgmental. Like yeah. People don't care whether you have some kind of like, like, whether you're on a publisher or whether you're legit in some way, like it's interesting. I feel like it's, it's become more of a generational thing. I think that's why I feel more comfortable now. Um, cause I feel like the, the generation of people that are a little bit younger than us are, are way more positive and, and, uh, accepting of what you're doing or, um, just way more into being a part of whatever it is you're doing or, I feel like there, I don't know. I feel, I feel like there was a point where, I don't know, like the people, the youngest people that were consuming some of the stuff where it was our generation of people. And I don't know, it's like maybe it was a competitive thing or I don't know, people are just more negative or not as supportive or something, or maybe that's just all in my head, but that was kind no, of, the, I, I've noticed like what you mean. Like, I feel like there's more of a mindset that the thing is just the thing that it is. And you don't need a kind of, official stamp on it or you don't need like a like a famous record label or a like respected publisher yeah that was kind of how i looked at it when i was younger like oh that's on like uh i don't know like oh it's on sub pop that's like in the kind of canon of respected indie right and then like now i'll like look up some like cd that i remember having that I like ordered from the band and it'll be on like YouTube and people are just, and people are like, Oh yeah, I love this band. The internet has kind of like opened stuff up, like just any band that you could remember or anything that existed is now like kind of has a sense of like, like kind of like, I don't know, being put on an even, even keel with each other. Like anything yeah, is val valuable. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like that's really, uh, the, like the, I've talked about that with a few people too, like the, just the dem democratic or the democratization of everything in the inter internet era, you know, because people can find exactly what they want and, and, um, find each other and, and, and enjoy it together or something. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I'm pretty glad that we've kind of moved towards that and yeah, we're kind of like, we're kind of like immersed in, and things being more creative and open. Maybe that's why I feel like I like returning to Instagram and sketching now. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I, I kind of feel like that too. It's it's like, I'm glad I made it through the period where I felt like thing, people were more critical of me or, or we weren't at the spot that we're at now because I, I think I would have given up. Um, I'm just glad I made it through that, like really the period that we're referring to where or that I'm referring to is like when we were doing on lives and feeling like things were more critical. Maybe that was like a self-talk or a self-criticism, but because like being where we are now, like I feel like I'm in this place now where uh, I can do whatever I want. And, and I don't know if it's like an age thing. It's a generational thing. It's, you know, some people have moved on and now there's a, a whole younger generation of people that appreciate art more or what, but, um, or this kind of stuff that's coming out. But um, yeah, I guess 
what was my my main point was like I think I've also just gotten to a point where I just I just don't I honestly just don't give a fuck anymore. You know, it's like with the podcasts and with the videos and 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 putting things out. It's kind of like just 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 show the process. Just get stuff done. Like if 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 you think the the drawing that you make isn't that great, who cares? Like put it out anyway because somebody's gonna probably find enjoyment out of it. And then if you really are really self-critical like just make the next one a little bit better you know and it's not like it doesn't feel like it's more as it's about coming to the table with this huge opus idea like final amazing you know record that everybody's gonna or novel or drawing whatever um that everybody's gonna fawn over and and uh you know yeah like it just kind of feels like just do your thing and have fun and and at the end of the day it really doesn't fucking matter like and that's kind of like where where whenever I start to go into like a critical period or a critical phase in like a video or a song or something. And even with the songs I said, I've been making, you know, it's like, I'm just like, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, I'll just keep, I'll just, I'm just going to keep doing this. And, uh, like I said, I'll, you know, make it a little better next time or, you know, somebody's going to find enjoyment out of this, whether it's, whether I think it sucks or if it's amazing. So why, why be the gatekeeper of your own material? I guess. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, can't be too paranoid about someone seeing you at your worst i guess so to speak because like let's say you released like a mass market record on like a label i don't think like some demo that someone comes across is gonna like undermine like whatever talent you show on your on your best work you know yeah well that's uh i listen to this guy gary v he's kind of like a motivational speaker social media guru kind of guy and yeah. uh you know he cuz his whole thing is just just constantly be creating constantly be putting yourself out there constantly be showing every side of yourself etc and you know his thing what he says to this effect on this on this topic is you know like imagine so like Vera Wang right that's like a really respected um designer clothing designer i think and um you know he says imagine if you were able to go back to when she was just getting into design and clothing and fashion like and and then you could watch from when she was way younger to when she is now like and watch that whole process of her developing into this you know icon like what that would be like and not saying like everybody that would be interesting yeah and that i feel like that's that's the whole idea is like it's not saying like everybody's going to be vera wang or everybody has to be but whoever you're going to wind up being imagine how amazing it's going to be when you can look back and say Hey, that's what I was doing when I was 20. Hey, look what happened when I was 25. Something happened here where, I don't know, I started doing this thing every day and, and then a year later I had a, a novel that I put out or whatever, you know? Like, that's, that's, what, that's what it's all about, you know, showing that process. Yeah. Because now you can show everything to everybody all the time. And while that could be double-edged, it's for, like, artists and creative people, it's, it's the best thing that could have ever happened because – you know, now all those little drawings that you make or were making in middle school uh, and had an audience of maybe two people can have an audience of, you know, seven billion potentially, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. What if, like, all we want is middle school drawings? We're not even doing finished products anymore. Right, right. I mean, yeah, and it's, and I feel like that's just the nature of, of, you know, the internet and being everywhere all the time and, and people being able to find out about you, everything you've ever done with the click of, you know, a couple of keys and hitting enter on Google, you know, 
Um, but that's so exciting because if you are present and, you, and I feel like I constantly see this in the YouTube space, I was talking about with this with Brian, I think episode 06 or whatever episode. Six. Yeah. I want to listen to that one. Yeah. I want to hear what Brian said. Yeah. That was a fun one too. He talks about yellow rainbow. He does. That kind of stuff. He does. Cool. Yeah. And, um, and where he's headed with that and, and why he's headed where he's headed. I don't want to spoil anything for you, but definitely check that one out, Dan and anyone else yeah. who hasn't checked that one out. Um, Oh, I forgot what we were saying. I lost my train of thought. I'll come back. But anyway, yeah, I think it's it's just unprecedented, man. And it's it's I feel like I used to be I feel like there's no reason to ever be critical about anything you do now because like something's here today and gone tomorrow, you know? Like even even if you're somehow able to make something that's like really great, uh chances are like in a couple of days nobody's really going to give a fuck. It's kind of like that book you you gave me too. Uh, Show your work, uh, yeah. Austin Cleon. I think that's how you say his name. Uh huh. Um, because I remember at the time that you gave that to me, I thought that book was a bunch of bullshit. So <laughs> I don't remember the exact year, but this yeah. just goes to show my how like how I've changed my mentality and how that I've was gotten, like five or five or six years ago. Yeah. So that was before I was really like that was when I was still in this phase of like oh, I'm gonna make this perfect thing and put it out then and it's gonna changed my life and you know now it's kind of like i think i revisited that book maybe a year or so after you because i read it and i was like oh this guy's this guy's fucking full of shit (laughs) and then after like a year i came back to it and it just like i think i read it in like you know an afternoon it's a short book but like i read it so quickly and just devoured it and was like it's just like something about where I was in my life and something about then reading it at that period was like, this is, this is, this is, this is it. Like this makes perfect sense. It's like, Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, dude. Uh, that was like one of the best books I think anybody's ever given me. And, uh, yeah, I just found it in the bookstore and I thought of you. And actually at that time I just like, wasn't even actively working on creative stuff. I was kind of like, here, take this. Maybe you could use this. Interesting. Yeah. So I was kind of sunken into my kind of like, processing i know i'm so glad that you're you're like putting more things out it's like so frequently dan because i feel like that's something that the world needs for sure because cool. i noticed that you you really went underground for a little bit there and i was like i don't know is dan gonna keep doing stuff is he i'm sure he's still doing things but is he gonna be sharing things like i don't know i feel like that was all just like practicing for the next phase like i uh learning more like thinking thinking harder about stuff and like kind of what my worldview is now so like i feel like although i wasn't creating stuff all the time it's almost like i have kind of like a stockpile just waiting to kind of be mined that's awesome spend a lot of time thinking about stuff that was Another reason why I thought it would be interesting to appear on this on this podcast, I wanted to see what prompts you would throw out and kind of how you would pick my brain. So where can people find you online, Dan? Uh, you can find me uh, on uh, Twitter. My handle is Indie Diaspora. You can find me on my website, dtarnowski.com. Awesome. And wh- where are you doing like the floating text stuff? If people want to check out uh, your poetry. Yeah, that's on my uh, Instagram. That's also Indie Diaspora. Awesome. Yo, Dan, thank you so much, man. This is this has been such a great talk. 
Pleasure's all mine. That was a lot of fun. Uh, so much of Dan and I's relationship is is over email and and chatting over email. So it's it's really funny to be able to talk to him because I don't get to see him much in person and we don't really talk much on the phone. So it's always kind of funny when we talk uh, live, I guess. <laughs> Uh, you can find Dan on Twitter and Instagram at Indie Diaspora, and check out his poetry and chapbooks at dtarnowski.com. And you can also check out the remnants of our daily art blog and some other stuff I wrote as a younger man, and that's at onlives.net. This is Mike from 424recording.com. Godspeed, my friends. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to subscribe and review the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to support the podcast, you can check out patreon.com slash 424recording. Appreciate you, my friends. And uh, make sure you do something you want to do today, okay?